0: hi everybody i'm sunny and this is we gotta talk a live weekly digital talk show and podcast where we like to dig deep real talk big topics now let's dig in Hi, everybody, and welcome to this episode of We Gotta Talk. If you're watching on a video, hello, hello. If you're listening on the podcast, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. We've got a big, juicy topic to dive into today, specifically body image and how we view and end up objectifying our own selves. We have the authors of an amazing book called More Than a Body, Doctors Lexi and Lindsay Kite. They are PhDs who have dedicated their work to helping women recognize the harmful messaging that we're getting whether it be through social media traditional media and how we internalize that and how to turn it around and essentially feel better. So we're really, really excited to talk to both Lexi and Lindsay coming up shortly about their book and all of the work they've been doing on their super popular Instagram account, Beauty Redefined. So we'll dive in shortly. So we are big fans of good skincare here at We Gotta Talk. And we're also fans of keeping it real. So when I get my hands on something that actually works and is truly worth it, you know I have to share it with you. This week, I'm so excited to welcome sponsor Droplet. This is a handheld skin improving device that gives you results right away. So here's the thing. The average US woman spends about $250 a month on skincare products. That's three grand a year. But how much of those powerful ingredients are actually making their way into your skin? You know, where they can actually do their job? Unfortunately, the answer is not many. So let's get science-y for a second so I can explain. Any molecule over a certain size, 500 Daltons to be specific, which is a molecular weight, just can't penetrate your skin. And that's where Droplet comes in. This device made by MIT scientists breaks down active ingredients into the perfect size particles that can actually penetrate your skin. This small handheld device creates a high-velocity spray that gets those actives into your dermis where they can do their job. That means more bang for your buck, which we are all about. So choose from one of three powerful actives, either the collagen, glycolic acid, or the retinol capsules. Just pop them in the device and let the droplet do the work. I use the collagen capsules every night after cleansing and toning. I just let my skin dry, use my droplet on my cheeks, my forehead, neck, and decollete, and then I follow it up with any other ingredients or any other moisturizers that I'm using for the night. It is super simple, and even if you are a skincare freak like I am, there's a place for droplet in your routine. Of course, we have a deal for you too. Head over to droplet.io and use the code we gotta talk. For fifty dollars off your purchase of two hundred ninety nine dollars or more, that's Droplet d r o p l e t t e dot i o, and use the code. We gotta talk. Try out the collagen capsules; promise you won't regret it. All right, let's get back to today's show. We have producer Rachel in the house. Rach, today's guests. <laughs> I have a habit of stalking people. Hi, Rach. How are you? Hi,
1: you do, but Hi. in the best way possible because it's I, like you just can't get enough, and you love what they're doing and bringing to the table.
0: I screenshotted the Instagram account of today's guests, and I sent it to you with the subject line, we need to get these people on the show. Um, So before we get to Doctors Lexi and Lindsay Kite, and we talk about their book, More Than a Body. We have two really interesting related stories. So um, let's start with the Old Navy one, if we can. This is a relatively new campaign. um, And we thought that this tied in really well with today's topic. They've launched a campaign called Bod Equality, which is essentially... I feel like where retail should have been a long time ago. But what it means is that all sizes will be located in one section of the store. You don't have to go to a back corner. If you're in a size that doesn't, it's not traditional sizing, you can pay the same amount for the product that you're buying, no matter what size it is. And it's just going gangbusters. It's getting a really positive, positive reception so far. What do you think about this?
1: It is. Um, I think it's a good thing. Why Why not? Why, why is there a petite section? Why is there a plus size section? I mean, even to our previous guests we've had on with kids clothes, why is there a boys section and a girls section? Why can't it just be, you know, all together, you know?
0: Yeah, I love this. And they've been doing a lot of press around it, so I'm sure we'll continue to hear. You'll see influencers talk about it, people in the press. They're really, really out there. Um, And then we're going to bring up these buzzwords too, Rach with our guest today, body neutrality and body positivity. So um, I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this, because I think when we grew up and we grew up during an era when the waif supermodel, like the 90 pound Kate Moss, was on the cover of magazines, or at least oh, I did. Yeah. I'm a little older than you. Um, terms like body positivity, body neutrality didn't even exist back then. Um, so there's a real push toward incorporating this these phrases into our lexicon so that people who don't look, which is to be honest, most of the world, like we don't look like Kate Moss or Cindy Crawford, can have a way to feel good about themselves because unfortunately we're just inundated with all these images of, of let's do air quotes, perfect women, right. and it's really, really disappointing. So um yeah, I'm really excited you know, to get their thoughts.
1: I I really find that bo- body positivity is is a, resonates more with me because I feel mm-hmm. like it's okay to say that you love something just about your body because you love it and not have to justify it with the the neutrality statement of mm-hmm. because my legs help me run. I understand it and it, and I understand and respect everybody's opinions on and which words they prefer to use. But I I think it's also okay to say that you just love the way your arms look because you love it and and not have to put any terms around it. But I'm sure mm-hmm. the doctors will have something to say to that response. Yes. <laughs> oh what yes, something funny. Sure. What uh, you know, I'm um, I um, with this. I said this in um
0: my instagram stories today as we were getting ready together and doing morning announcements they have said this in the lead up to this interview i do think you can you you know a, a sense of a pride and liking how you look can coexist with true true happiness and sort of comfort with your body but um i think we always have to go back to why are we calling them nice legs or why are we calling them nice arms? Because we've been seeing for 50 years or however long in media that nice arms are thin and toned. And we subconsciously, perhaps even if we love our body as is, have come to define those as the standard and sort of weigh everything against it. And so that's, I don't know, body positivity, body neutrality. I just, yes, I'm in support of us loving ourselves and finding a way to reach that point because it's really hard when we're surrounded by so many, so many images all the time. So That's um, we'll pop you back on rage. Thank you. Thank you so much for finding those good talkers. Let's bring in Lexi and Lindsay Kite. As I said, they are the authors of the book, more than a body and the faces behind the amazing account beauty redefined ladies. Thank you for joining me. Yes. Happy to be here. Hello. love I feel like we should we should lead off with that discussion. I had that marked for a later question, but body positivity versus body neutrality. Body positivity gained a lot of traction as a term and as a practice, maybe like 10 plus years ago. But now body neutrality is the new thing. What's the difference? And is there one
2: that's better than the next I mean, we definitely don't want to like moralize one as better than the other. What we write about um, and what kind of like our research is based on is the idea that The problem is that we feel so defined by our bodies, like you said, because we've seen a hundred years worth of really unrealistic ideals mediated to us all the time. And so body positivity kind of sprung from this notion that we need to take our bodies back and we need to see beauty in a more expansive range of sizes and races and ethnicities. And that's a good thing. We believe that that is an amazing first step for people, but it is not the only step. You know, people, um, body positivity became really popular, especially online in really visual mediums. Mm-hmm. Because people want to see bodies and they want to see bodies that look like theirs. Of course, we want to see that. We wish we could have seen that growing up. But seeing more bodies doesn't alleviate people from the pressures of feeling defined by their bodies, of feeling like their bodies are their everything. Yeah, that's yes. say it's that first step. It's yeah. not the final step. We got to go a bit further than that.
0: Yeah, it's almost like understanding where you are and then getting back to the root cause of why you feel this way. It And it, it's really pervasive, right? No matter what era you've grown up in, yes. media and, and these days, social media has defined for us what an ideal body type is. And it doesn't even mean they're explicitly coming out and saying, oh, Kim Kardashian is a perfect woman. It's just a proliferation of images in pop culture. When it gets big enough, it ends up being like the dominant, cool, sexy, popular thing, right? And when you're not that, I mean, so whether or not we are, you know, Growing up like I did in the 90s, coming into adulthood and coming into womanhood or now, there always seems to be an outside person defining what's right and what's wrong. It seems, guys, though, like a problem that's almost too big to extricate ourselves from. We have to live in the world and consume media to an extent. So how do you
2: view that conundrum? Yeah, we we love to talk about that because it's we have to accept the fact that we live in this world that does objectify women's bodies. We have been taught to see ourselves as bodies first and people second. And so many aspects of our environment really bank on us believing that our worth, our desirability, our health, our happiness all depend on looking a certain way or even just loving how we look. So we like to do that and really shift the paradigm and change up the conversation around body image. So instead of saying positive body image is believing that your body looks good, we say that positive body image is knowing that your body is good regardless of how it looks that gives the power back to who we are, how we live inside and embody these bodies that we have lived in and grown up in our entire lives, instead of just looking at them as outside observers, judging and evaluating ourselves according to all of these ideals that we've completely grown up surrounded by.
0: So how do we begin to associate good with our corporeal selves, right? Because we do look outside, we do look to points of reference, or even the wellness industry, right? And Whether it's a supplement we're taking or a workout we're trying, these are all outside points of reference for us. So when you say we have to learn our bodies are good, what does good even feel like? What is good? Is it good a feeling? Is good a a reflection in the mirror? Like it feels, where do we start?
2: It's such a good question because good is different for everybody. A lot of people, all of us deal with pain. We deal with injuries, with illness, with chronic illness. A lot of people say to us, how can I feel like my body is good when everybody around me thinks my body is gross, when my body is in pain? And what we want people to come back to is that your body is good because it's yours. Like, it's the only one you'll ever have. This body, look down at yourself. This body, even the parts you don't like, is the body you were born into, the body that has fought for you, for your life. Your heart has been beating. Your lungs have been breathing every second of your entire life, fighting for you. So even when you don't feel like your body is you are not good the way you are, that you are a project in need of fixing and only then will you be happy. We want people to come back home to themselves. That first person perspective on your body will change your life, allow you to see yourself as an instrument instead of just an ornament, which you've been taught. How can we start feeling good in our bodies? The first step is really to look around and see more in your environment. So what kind of forces have shaped the way you perceive your body? If you're judging it according to the different ideals that we've been surrounded by, the types of ideals even people around you are holding your body to, that's going to constantly affect the way you see your body and that will lead you to what we call self-objectify. So look at your body as an object instead of an instrument for your use and something that you live within instead of just look at from the outside. So we really recommend that people kind of take inventory of the ways that they may have been held back in their own lives by this objectification that we experience in this environment that we live in. And when you do that, that gives you a platform to start from. So when you are uncomfortable and those triggers come up, which they always will, that tell you that you don't look right, that you're not good at all of those things, then we ask people to stop for a moment to recognize what might be causing that feeling, what they might be tempted to do, We always talk about through our body image resilience model that people will often hurt themselves, hide themselves or fix themselves in an attempt to deal with the shame that we experience in this objectifying culture. And instead of doing those things, instead of planning your next diet and going into starvation mode or overexercising or even engaging in addictive behaviors. Instead, we ask people to stop and get back inside your own body. So simply start with taking a few deep breaths and relaxing your muscles, relax your stomach muscles that we've been taught to clench and keep sucked in all the time and get back inside that body to give you a moment of peace from this anxiety cloud and instead get back into your five senses. Focus on what you can see. What are you feeling? What does your butt feel like in the chair right now? Are your feet on the ground? Are you taking deep enough breaths that you're filling your lungs? Can you feel... Uh, Can you smell, can you hear? What are you seeing and experiencing through this body that exists for more than something to be looked at? We built this model of body image resilience as kind of this next step from body positivity and body neutrality. It is good to feel like you are beautiful, to expand the definition of who gets to be beautiful. But we know that feeling is fleeting. There are mm-hmm. enough competing messages to tell you you're not beautiful, but you can get there, buy this product, use this service, fix yourself for six weeks before you qualify to be seen. Then body neutrality comes in, which we've been pioneering for years with our whole instrument not ornament mantra to tell you that your body is amazing for what it can do and not just what it looks like. That's good. But the next step, is body image resilience, the ability to see and name every trigger in your life, every photo that triggers you when you see yourself to think, oh my gosh, I can't believe I look like that. Oh, and then you think that your body image journey has begun all over again because you hate how you look to your mom commenting on your weight, whether you've lost weight or gained weight, to your breast sagging, to the wrinkles on your forehead. These are all triggers we all experience. Body image resilience is banking on the fact that you will continue to face those triggers, that even as body image experts, every single day we face little bouts of that shame. But because of body image resilience, when you can click back into your own body and reclaim your body as your own every time that spark of shame comes up, you can say to yourself, I don't deserve to feel this way. This is not natural and innate to me. This comes from outside forces telling me I'm a body first and a person second. Mm-hmm. I'm going to choose a new way to respond. And every time you choose a new way to respond that serves you, that allows you to see yourself as more than a body, you begin to flex that muscle that becomes easier and easier and mm-hmm. easier. Over time, the shame doesn't feel so bad. Life opens up.
0: You know, it, and it also insulates you to an extent from participating in the next big trend. I mean, one body type is popularized in one era and decade, and then we move on to the next. No human being could possibly turn from a Kate Moss into a Kim Kardashian and keep yep. up with current beauty standards and be technically at the top of the their game forever. It's just physically impossible. So I love what you said there is going, going back inside. It's just... Really frustrating though, right? Because um, it is something that's so unique to women, yeah. and I try not to be like Betty Buzzkill. But sometimes oh, when Andrew, my husband, will be like, "Oh, you look so, you look so good," I'm like, "I don't exist to look good for you, Andrew." And he's like, uh, "Like I'm just, <laughs> I would hate to be married to me." Sometimes, just put it that way. But yeah. I'm in my brain about it because no one understands what it's like to constantly feel like you owe something to the world with how you look until you live it. And yes. women
2: live it unfortunately
0: from from this big.
2: What's interesting is that it's so often the women who are closest to the traditional beauty ideals, the ones you would look at and think that they have a perfect life, you know, their relationships are great, they're perfectly healthy. We look at these women and we think that this message won't resonate with them, this more than a body message. And instead, it's often those women that resonate with this message the most because women who are so close to the ideal, as you are, I hate to say it, but you're an extremely beautiful woman and it's no wonder your husband's always complimenting you. But not we, always, but you know, once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> but we completely understand why that is a constant trigger because when you're valued for your beauty throughout your life, and when that's a big source of your self worth, the validation you get from other people, then it's a constant reminder of how important your beauty is. And so sometimes as people get older, as our bodies change, we have babies, we age, we, you know, grow and change, we get injuries and illnesses. Bodies just change over time, you know and so when those compliments sometimes slow down and when that isn't the main source of our validation and self-worth it can be really painful for women and you know, that's so
0: true and it feels, it puts you on a cra- it's so it's it's more frustrating because we are are brought up on a diet of consumerism that teaches us how to be a certain way and then inevitably you get to a point where you're you're going to age and you're going to collide and crash right into the uh, parallel universe which is going from getting paying so much attention to this, to getting no attention for it and not really having to deal with it. And then it's more, it was Paulina Porzakova, supermodel, I think from the eighties, who just said that recently, she said, you know, what I experience now, when I walk into a room versus 30 years ago is worlds apart. It's a vacuum of energy. Whereas I used to be, she said, the center of attention and I could feel the energy. Now it's silence and it's completely being ignored. And It's it's fascinating to me. Right. And she has made her platform all about, you know, she's not doing any injectables. She's not doing any plastic surgery. Now, is she still like stunning? Yes. But anyway, I just I I find that interesting. You're right. We all experience the outside gaze. Whether wherever we fall on the spectrum of like, this is the current beauty ideal, because we're all living
2: in the same world. And what we found is that that is an unsustainable, soul sucking place to live in. Yes, some women through some parts of their lives can be close enough to those ideals to feel like, really good, you know, to really like certain parts of themselves, to like how they are seen. The problem is that that is so deeply soul sucking and unsustainable that your power can be taken from you as freely as it is given because it does not derive from inside of you. It is given to you by patriarchy, by capitalism, by sexism that values you when you are young. And the second you become invisible as you age, you realize what you were valued for. And it was not who you are. It was not your humanity. It was how you appeared. And so we do this work for all women, for all people to see themselves as more, because even when you fit close to those ideals, you need to be able to see yourself as more, or you will constantly be chasing mirages that tell you, once Mm -hmm. you hit this next beauty ideal, then you'll feel good. Once you keep up on keeping that butt lifted, then you'll be loved and happy. You know, it's endless.
0: It is. It's endless. And I addressed this on um, my Instagram leading up to this. I'm curious to get your thoughts on a balance between appreciating self-care, appreciating Mm -hmm. like I'm a huge skincare person, right? Like a good cream and the feel of it on my face and stuff like that. Finding the balance between what's comfortable and appropriate for us individually, but also learning how to value ourselves. How do you, since every person is different, how do you encourage people to get to that point where they can enjoy the frivolous and frilly and fun parts of being a woman, but also know that
2: their value is rooted in so much more than that? Totally. Yeah, we're all about self-care. That's such an important part of just surviving in this stressful, overwhelming world. What we caution is that we want people to be really critical of what they perceive as self-care. So too often, self-care is very gendered. So for girls and women, it tends to exclusively revolve around things that alter your appearance in some way. So Mm -hmm. self-care is often like products that are gonna make you look younger or going and getting some procedure done. It could be going on a cleanse that's gonna, you know, take off some of that weight from the Labor Day weekend or whatever. It's all these things that revolve around how we look And that makes sense because we live in this environment that teaches us how we look is more important than who we are. And so we want people to be really critical of this self-care thing and remember to get back inside their own bodies instead of looking at their bodies from the outside. And some of that stuff, we always tell people, you can draw the line where you feel comfortable. You can draw the line where it is best for you, while at the same time recognizing, really being critical and acknowledging that there are a lot of forces, a lot of money behind this idea that we need to change our appearances in order to feel really good about ourselves and to and to do this self-care thing. So what can self-care look like that is actually serving you? How can you really take care of yourself? Think about, a massage? you know. Maybe it is getting your nails done. Maybe it is that facial, but is it time that you can take to listen to a podcast or just breathe? Is self-care for you being able to go on a drive or a run or a walk or whatever alone to take some time for you? What actually fills you up and leaves you reminded that you are more, that you are more, that gives you energy to keep going instead of just sucking that energy out of you to look better? And the Mm reason you with your body. Mm -hmm. A lot of these things keep us looking at our bodies from the outside, like we keep saying, but some of these activities get you back inside your body, using it as an instrument, experiencing the power of your body, not even in like a fitness machine sort of way, just in an enjoyment sort of way. It could be going for a casual walk. Like what are, is it dancing? What are activities that really reconnect you to yourself so that you're at home in your body instead of just watching it? Yeah.
0: I have just begun sitting in my closet at night for five minutes, six minutes if I'm feeling brave, mm-hmm. in complete darkness and silence. And I see wow. Rachel laughing. It's about as long as I can press pause these days yeah. with the craziness. But I have a sense of feeling my hands on my on my knees if I'm sitting cross legged. You know, just. It's it's bonkers how easy it is, but how we avoid doing it for so long because it is so much fun to stick my face in a jar of skin cream. You (laughs) know, it's just so fun. But it is the simple things, right? And Um,
2: there's research behind that too. There's a lot of research to show really. That simple, mindful meditation where you're reconnecting with your own thoughts. You're kind of taking inventory of your day, how you're feeling, what might cause you to feel that way. And it's mm-hmm. just those tiny moments that allow you to recharge and reconnect with yourself instead of just listening to or reading yeah. other people's thoughts all day long like so many of us do. I know I do.
0: Oh, I do. I walk around the house with my phone in my ear listening to podcasts. And I'm like, I i'm quiet. I just can't help sometimes how much information I feel like I need to process. But when you do step away from it, you realize, oh, God, actually, it's nice to have that space to process a little bit, you know?
2: True. The other thing that we find really helpful, especially in terms of like your body image resilience, is being able to get into a flow state whether it's like through creative expression, like writing or singing or dancing art, or it's like through through working out, you know? It's through getting into a flow state that literally just sucks you back into your body as your own. You are not picturing how you look and monitoring from the outside. It For mm-hmm. me, throughout the whole course of the pandemic, I had a baby a little more than 18 months ago, and then the pandemic hit. And I decided that for my own mental health, I needed to start working out and getting into a flow state. And so I started running and walking uphill on a treadmill, doing workout videos, just really being able to serve myself in this way that was like the best self-care in the whole world. You know what? My body hasn't really changed. I might be a little bit fatter than I was when I started, to be honest. I'm more fit, but those two things don't have a lot in common, you know, fat and fit. And I am in better shape and more happy than I've ever been in my whole life from taking that time to get into a flow state every day. I love, all that. I love that. I love
0: it. We are in control of so much. Um, we're talking about how media plays a role in our self-perception. But when you break it down, we are in control of so much of our own mental health destiny. And it's, it's wild how simple it is. I want to ask you guys this. I didn't say this in the beginning. If you're listening on the podcast, you wouldn't have seen it. But like just you know buried the lead there you guys are twins which is obvious to anyone who's seen a fourth of a second of this video then <laughs> I wanted to lead off with discussion of this very unique situation you're in and how it informs your work I feel like we all do have identities within our families that we inadvertently define ourselves by but it has to be a unique situation being a twin an identical twin tell us how that informed
2: and inspired the work you do today Yeah, it has really been an experience for us to figure out how it has really shaped our perception of the world, of our own bodies, of each other's bodies. It has been a real important part of this journey to acknowledge the ways that has made an impact. So we yeah. are identical twins and so as anyone who has ever met identical twins knows, the first thing you do when you meet them is you look them up and down and you look really closely at their faces and you try <laughs> to figure out what are the differences. So from the time we were like, what? Babies. So little, yeah. We were just constantly being appraised and compared and people yeah. will tell you out loud in the moment what your differences are and how you they're going to remember. You have a face. You have crooked teeth. There's always a winner and a loser. You yeah, know? it's a hierarchy always in <laughs> those differences. And so we found just from an extremely young age, that we were constantly being compared by other people. And that led us to constantly compare ourselves. So yeah. we we're extremely competitive, we have been our entire lives, it's a lot better now that we are mm-hmm. working together in this way. But for so many years, we would We like to draw this parallel between this phenomenon self-objectification that we talk about so much, which is this process of watching your body from the outside instead of living within it. Your identity is kind of doubled when you are monitoring how you look while you're also trying to do some activity or trying to fully be immersed in a, a specific moment. And so as identical twins, we were kind of split watching each other I would look at Lexi's body and think oh okay that's what my body looks like when she does that and she would do the same thing to me that's kind of like self objectification so when people think about that think of yourself as being split where you're watching your body from afar you're looking at your your reflection you're picturing what you look like all the time imagining it that is self objectification and it really hurts your relationship with your own body and it hurt our relationship as twins Fortunately, over time, we were able to realize once we got to college how deeply we had been affected by this self comparison and especially to the unreal ideals that we had been just completely surrounded by in media and in the, our family life growing up and all the people around us. And yeah. that led us to be able to have the same passions, the same interests. And that has, has driven us for so long. We did 10 years of college yeah, together. together. <laughs> we didn't wow. want to but it just, it worked out so well. And yeah. we, you know, there are benefits to We wrote a whole book together, but it was like half and half, you know, we do all mm-hmm. these interviews. We split up for a lot of this stuff. It's like, we're both fighting the same good fight, uh, but we have twice the power to do it. Yeah, And the thing that helped us was when I got married, we weren't competing for boys anymore. That's so true. <laughs> we used to like oh. the same guys. We had some trouble with that early in college. But <laughs> yeah. Could you ever, like, this is
0: crazy. Like, did you ever like try to fool one and like sh- the other one shows up on the date and he's no. like, wait a minute.
2: No. I mean, in college, we did that with like class <laughs> Like Lindsay, did it to- work when I was sick? It, and it did. Worked, yeah. So. I covered for her one time and then she didn't cover for me another time and she got a better grade than me. So, yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> amazing.
0: I mean, I, I would argue you guys are in the best possible position to do this kind of work because like you said, your life mirrors double, right? Yeah. What everybody is experiencing and, and it gives you this unique lens to like to sort of analyze everything through. So I love it. Although when you did sit down, I was like, oh my God, I don't know why as an adult, it still like makes me smile to see identical twins. (laughs) But every twin I know, every set of twins I know, I should say, has worked so hard to define themselves individually from each other. So what I love about you guys is that you obviously have been doing the work that you're preaching about because you can come together and work literally on the same project and for the same cause. And bring double the energy to it rather than sort of detract from each other. So it's a really cool thing to see from the
2: outside. Thanks. It's worked it, in our paper, I think. We've yeah. never planned this, but oh, man. It's been a real journey. We, Like you said, we tried really hard to be different early in college. Mm-hmm. We were just determined to have different majors and not take classes together. And it turns out we didn't take classes together for our first, our undergraduate degree, but we did end up in one of the same majors. And then we took all our classes together through our master's and PhDs. Yeah. So we just I learned to that. not fight it. We're the same. So we're it's okay.
0: <laughs> it's awesome. I should have mentioned this before, but guys, their work and, and their uh, mission has appeared in so many publications. I have to just give you a shout out too, because um, you're everywhere. And obviously your Instagram presence is huge, but you've been featured in the New York Times, CNBC, the Boston Globe, Slate, Shape, Glamour, Teen Vogue. Um, and obviously you have your own book out now too. So I mean, your your words and your philosophy are everywhere, which we love to see. We love that. We- I want to fire up um, a post that you guys put up last night that deeply, deeply touched me and made me very sad. So um, if you're listening on the podcast, it's an Instagram grid post, and it's a quote. And it says, girls learn the most important thing about themselves is how they look. Boys learn the most important thing about girls is how they look. Girls look at themselves. Boys look at girls. Girls are held responsible for boys looking. Girls change how they look. Boys keep looking. The problem isn't how girls look. The problem is how everyone looks at girls. Solve the problem by teaching everyone that girls don't exist to be looked at. Yeah, we as women, we feel that we feel that. And you know what? I believe I think there's a unique experience as a woman where you learn to dissociate yourself from your own body. At times you pull yourself out of of your own head because you almost can hear the criticism or the leering or it's a very unique thing. And it breaks my heart that my daughters I have two girls and a boy
1: mm-hmm. are
0: going to feel what that's just such a unique feeling and everybody knows that feeling. Yeah. I want to feel like things can change for the next generation. But how do you envision this message reaching young girls and how do we keep our girls' mental health okay?
2: It's a hard question, and yet we have a lot of hope in this now, and the fact that they don't live in the gender binary that we grew up with. Girls are to be looked at, boys are, boys can do, boys can be, girls are to be looked at. That exists less these days because they have more options. They aren't stuck in this binary. So I mean even in terms of like fashion and athleisure Girls and boys growing up today, they don't just stick to what they are. You know, they don't mm-hmm. just, girls have to be pretty. And that is a good thing. They're also much more willing to fight back against sexist dress codes where girls bear the full burden, where we prioritize the male perspective and the male gaze on our own bodies. Girls have the language for that now, thanks to a lot of activists that are doing amazing work in this space. Yeah. And it's a large part of our work. Some of the first stuff, to go viral for us more than 10 years ago on social media was us criticizing dress codes and modesty for being sexually objectifying, for reinforcing sexual, objectif- sexual objectification of girls and women. And we are happy to lead this charge. We will oh, we will take the lead. We I really- love that.
0: Wait, can I, let me hop in for a second. Um, you know, what's interesting is the biology and, and hormones obviously inform so much of how we behave as individuals. Yeah. And I want to know how you separate that biological urge and the very real differences, chemical differences we have between, you know, men and women and boys and girls, and allow us to embrace that who they are, right? That what's makes a that's what makes a girl a girl. That's what makes a boy a boy. And I'm saying this like with major air quotes because yeah. I know that. You know gender is on a spectrum here but how how can those coexist how can we respect that there are some things about us biologically that we differ on but still be respectful of each other
2: i think the perfect way to do that is to acknowledge attraction to say yeah there is no shame in you being attracted to who you're attracted to like acknowledge that up front we do not vilify it it is okay and good to be attracted to people The problem is that we place so much emphasis on how girls look and how boys look at girls that everything else is swallowed up in that. Girls bear this huge burden that they cannot be responsible for because many girls and many boys are going to have hormonal sexual responses to any number of things. You just can't control it. We know this from people in other countries that are covered head to toe, that are still assaulted. This is a very Mm -hmm. real thing. And the most important factor here is that we can acknowledge all the differences, all the hormonal factors that play a huge role, especially right around puberty and for a few years afterward. And we can teach kids about that to recognize those impulses, but also recognize that they are solely responsible for keeping those impulses in check what we've been doing what the last 100 years is by is teaching people that by women dressing a certain way we protect ourselves and by women dressing a certain way we stop distracting men we don't tempt men you know it oh. it's supposed to alleviate the problems it hasn't done that at all in fact the problems have just become more exacerbated and yet women and girls continue to bear the burden of getting sent home from school of not being able to go to certain activities and of being assaulted regardless of what they're wearing And so the real solution here, I think, like Lexi said, is to acknowledge that attraction is okay. How you act on it is a different story. We have to teach kids to be very adult in the ways they're approaching this and recognize that if they do make mistakes, if they are distracted, let's have some Mm -hmm. compassion for that and teach them that they can make better choices next time and and be responsible for how they perceive and treat other people. And we also want to prioritize how girls feel in all of this. One of the ways to teach dress codes, and if you believe in modesty in some way, is to help girls prioritize their own feelings, the wearer of the clothes, not the viewer of the clothing. And when you help girls prioritize how they feel, what they can do, if they are constantly self-objectifying when they're wearing something where their boobs are really out or their butt is really out and they have to be constantly thinking about how they look and making sure it's adjusted right as they're sitting in their seat so their cellulite doesn't show or their stretch marks, whatever the thing is, that does not serve anybody and when girls can start to see huh maybe it would be helpful for me to wear something that was a little bit more comfortable while i'm taking that math test or while i'm playing that sport then they can start to be back in control of their own lives and their own bodies in a way that will serve them it reminds me of
0: the beach volleyball team at the olympics who was like trust us we play better in shorts than underwear and everybody was like no 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 we know our bodies
2: believe it or not actually so happening. We're the experts.
0: Oh my god, I can't even get started on that. It would just be. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, let's just quickly wrap this particular topic up in a bow. Advice for moms raising girls right now. Distill it down to something simple so that we can make sure that we are telling them the right things and raising girls who are truly truly comfortable in who they are.
2: I have two girls. I have a 5-year-old and an 18-month-old and my daughter Logan, my 5-year-old has been my um Like my test through all of this, all of my research has been taken out on her in the best possible way. (laughs) You can teach your little daughter our mantra. My body is an instrument, not an ornament. Then everything she does changes the way she gets dressed, prioritizing her comfort over how she appears changes the way she moves her body, the way she sees other people's bodies Now my daughter, she says things to me like, mom, I hope I get a big bummy like you. (laughs) In my past, I would have thought, oh my gosh, my daughter thinks my butt is big. And instead, I know that my daughter loves me and does not see that there is a certain way to be in this world. She just sees a variety of shapes and sizes and she loves people for who they are. She is not ingrained in fat phobia or in meeting the thin ideal right now because she has on her mirror. My body is an instrument, not an ornament. And she repeats it to me. I love that. I'm stealing that. Yes, it's so good. That's that's a good start. We could talk for 14 more hours about how to raise girls, but there's a start. Another thing to do is to just teach kids to ask questions. So when they're watching shows, especially with kids' media, is we have to ask them to be critical of it. Especially with kids' media, you'll notice that there are very few female characters compared to male characters in so many of the shows, especially some of the older ones. Thankfully, things are improving in some ways. Yeah, Ask them to be critical about why do all the girls look exactly the same? Why do they all have to have huge eyes and tiny noses and big lips and tiny waists? And the boy characters, the male characters, get to be anything, every shape and size and color, and form you can even imagine. Yep. And when you teach them really, really young, that there are people who want them to believe that girls just have to be pretty, that girls just have to find romance and love, or that people just aren't creative enough. They yeah. grew up with one way to see girls. And so they keep perpetuating that. Then girls can be critical of that stuff. When yeah. they see that that's not just natural, that it's actually created by people. And it's kind of a mistake that helps them to look at things and say, mom, why aren't there any more girls in this show? Or why do the girls have to be really pretty and the boys get to look any possible way that stuff starts young and it'll make a huge difference definitely yeah that continues into
0: it why are why are men allowed to show up in the world right. like, looking however the hell they want and listen you know I'm all in support of that too but let me wear my flats this is coming yes. from someone who was told I wasn't allowed to wear pants to work because oh. they weren't oh hot God. enough or and right. yes meanwhile my favorite thing to wear is pants and flats and a blazer like truly yeah. like masculine vibes and I was I was like oh. so I get it it's just it's frustrating. Uh, guys, before we let you go, I have to just wrap things up. Let's talk about the book and let's talk about what people will get when they pick this up. You obviously, we covered a ton of what's in here already, but tell me what you hope people get when they pick up a copy of this book. And, you know, how young can someone really process the messages in here? Because I feel like this might be a good read for um, high schoolers too.
2: Yeah. Oh, definitely. We are so excited about this book. It is the most important thing we've ever done. It's the distillation of 10 years of research, plus a a bunch of years on top of that, of just putting it into practice and talking to people and studying people. And we've put it into this one condensed book. What we want people to take away from it, and what we've heard back from hundreds of people, is transformation. We want people to be completely transformed in the way they relate to and perceive their own bodies. It will change the way you view and value your body so that you can experience the world rather than just letting the world experience you. This gives you your power. This gives you the possibility of going through an objectifying culture that will continue to remind you of all these terrible things about how important your body is. And yet we can go through that and come out stronger, more compassionate toward our bodies, toward other people's bodies, more knowledgeable, more aware, and feeling better about ourselves overall. Really, everything can change when you see that you are more than a body. We truly believe body image resilience is the revolution this world needs. And it it's in our book it's the most exciting thing we've ever done and we recommend it for ages 14 and up but if you have a really mature 12 year old read it with them we ask Mm -hmm. people to read it as mothers and daughters as parents and kids Mm -hmm. to teach them how to recognize these messages really early on and we portray it through stories our own personal stories our own journal entries from when we're little and lots of other people's stories as well so it's it's readable
0: yeah, the intro was really impactful, like you walked us through the experience of being twins and how that really illuminated your life's work, and you probably didn't know all of those difficult lessons you were going through young would actually end up informing a really important life's mission. So I mean, I'm grateful you guys ended up and started out where you started and ended up here because this is amazing, and um, I'm just so, so thank honored you. that you took some time to, to talk with me today.
2: So thank, thank you so much. Oh, we're thank so grateful to talk
0: to you. And guys do follow them on Instagram at beauty underscore redefined and check out the book more than a body. It's on all major booksellers and we'll link it in our stories as well on Instagram. So ladies, thank you. Thank you. Big, big virtual kisses and hugs. I cannot wait for the world to be populated with people who think like you do. and Our our daughters and sons to grow up with this wisdom. So thank you. I'm grateful for the support. Thank you, ladies. All right. See you soon bye 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 Bye. okay let's pop back on producer Rachel for one quick moment while we wrap
1: by the way hang out and and chat with us after or if you have to go go ahead and go I forgot to tell you that earlier this is live (laughs) television happening right now Sonny go ahead (laughs) I I just I it's hard to
0: not begin to feel a little emotional because um It's a big message that I feel like they really have managed to distill into a really digestible form in this book. And it's something that I think about every day. And every parent of a daughter that I know already has a story where she's looked at herself and called herself ugly or called herself fat or in some negative connotation of the word, at least. And it's shocking how young it starts. So having something like this to kind of refer back to is just is huge.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, I did not, we did not have that grow. I did not have that growing up in my parents' vocabulary. You know what I mean? Like that, what this kind of wording and and understanding of your body, you know, that's, Mm -hmm. it's just a different, (laughs) it was a different time, right? They're a different generation of parents. Um, And Mm -hmm. even you, Sunny, you've, I mean, over the years we've talked and, and you've told me about stories about how one, one of your daughters, and sorry if I'm oversharing, but she was like, my legs are, are, Thick or something she had said, right? And it's like yeah, I'm like, like
0: they're, they're muscular, and I'm like, you have right. mommy's legs, you know. And, he, and, and you know, I mean, I don't say
1: things like that. Like no. you are so hyper aware around your kids. Like you don't say things like, oh, I have fat legs. Like I've never heard you say anything like that in your life. So it's like, well, where is she hearing this from? You know, yeah. and it's alarming.
0: It's alarming. It really is. And you know, we have a lot of work to do as parents in general but uh, but
1: now we this have this is just the, like one more thing. Yeah, but I love the this book and and what the doctors are talking about because now you have even more information and words and things to explain to your sons and your son and your daughters of like right. how to phrase things which is oh, something yeah. that we just, you know, it, I'm so glad that this information is out there.
0: Yeah, for sure. Conversations with sons, you're right, are just as valuable and, you know, being explicit even and saying like, listen, girls can look however they choose to look and they're not here just to look pretty and they're people. And I mean, like it sounds so corny and obvious, but I mean, there are lessons there for parents of sons, too, because inadvertently they soak up what they hear around the world too. So around town too. So something
1: Um, else I really connected with when you guys were talking about is, um, you know, trying to not dress sexual and mm -hmm. dress conservative and cover up my cleavage and my boobs and not accentuate my body and my curves, especially in the like sports world of things that Mm -hmm. I do, you know, because I don't want to just be the, the like bimbo, whatever stereotype. Right. I don't want to follow into that stereotype. And I want to be taken seriously, you know, but at the same time, it's like, but that's not how it should have to be. I shouldn't Mm -hmm. have to do that. I should be able to be wearing a top like this and it not be commented on. And instead it should be commented on what I have to say, but.
0: Absolutely. I did, that reminds me, I did oh, an internship sorry. in TV and I, it was in sports and I wore, as I didn't know as a 19 year old, like that this was, you know, I should pay such close attention to my wardrobe. I was fully covered, but I had on a longer skirt with knee high boots and the skirt was not short. They kind of met, you mm-hmm. know, but they were boots. It was winter, I had a big sweater and a big coat. And I remember my first experience with like, you know, dealing with people's perceptions in the journalism world of female sports reporters and a radio host the next day was like, there was this girl in the locker room and she had on knee high boots as if I was in like a dominatrix costume. I had a full winter coat on with boots and that was like, you know, and I was completely, I was like, this world is not for me because to be so closely paid attention to for what you're wearing and how you yeah. appear in front of a group of men. It's it's a lot, you know. And people don't hesitate to be just total jerks about it. That's ridiculous. Screw that it's guy. Ridiculous. Yeah, like, I'm actually, we ended up making peace. But like, you know, I was 19. I had no idea what right. um, this world was like. And I think I'm getting great post game, you know, sound for our producers to use. And I walk out and I'm like, this is what you're worried about? Like
1: what? just insane, totally insane. I know. So, um, there's ugh, a lot of work right. for us to do. I've decided just now that I'm going to wear whatever the hell I want. And that's going to yeah. be the end of it.
0: Yeah, do it. Makes you feel comfortable for sure. Uh, Rach, thank you for everything today, guys, as always, um, we're going to be putting clips of this on Instagram. So follow along at Sonny Abada, S-O-N-N-I-A-B-A-T-T-A. Check out our website. We got to talk.com slash blog. We put up a nice sort of roundup after all the interviews for the people we've chatted with. And don't forget to leave a rating and review. That helps a ton in getting these out to uh, people who might find them interesting or useful. So thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. And we will see you next week with more goodness here on. We got to talk.